Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Welcome back up nexters. It's Gabrielle again here. This week, I am super stoked to be talking to Ursula Loriston, who is not only the founder, but also the editor-in-chief of Capital Standard. Capital Standard is an amazing online magazine geared towards young professionals and up-and-coming leaders in the Washington, D.C. area. She's here to talk about her journey into entrepreneurship and what that means for her now as a leader of our generation. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Ursula, thanks so much for joining us. Woo! I'm happy to be here. (laughs) I think that's the most excited anyone has ever been to be on this show. I mean, that was such a great intro. So I was like, man, this sounds really great. So I was excited about it. I forgot your walkout music. So uh, next time, (laughs) next time. Ursula, tell us about your story. Where did the idea come from to start Capital Standard? How did you even think that you were qualified to start this movement that really started as a magazine, but turned into something so much bigger than that? I love that you call it a movement, Um, but I think, well, when I was in high school, a teacher told me that I'm a really great writer, and I started writing for um, the school newspaper, and then I went to college. I wrote for the paper again. I was editor of the magazine, and it's always something that I've really loved, and then, um, you know, magazines get such a bad rap in terms of business um, startups these days. People say they're not making any money, uh, but they must be since people are constantly creating new magazines. But I had this nagging feeling, just something, you know, in my gut telling me start a magazine. And it started when um, I had been in Washington for about three years and I was working at the State Department as a writer. And um, not to say that I didn't I didn't do a whole lot of work, but I had a lot of time on my hands just because um, the assignments for that I would get would take maybe an hour and I had, you know, three or four days to do them. So I was like, I really want to start working on something. And all the interns that I had at the State Department just seemed I mean, they they most likely just finished a grad program. They're most likely new to D.C. And they just seemed like they didn't understand what type of resources were out here in Washington. And I wanted to create something that was beautiful, that um, was interesting and that was geared towards helping young professionals find resources, find that professional development that they're looking for and kind of lead that lifestyle in Washington that we all want. And again, you know, I thought to myself, nobody's going to want this. Everyone's already doing it. Why even do it? But really, I felt like I had to do this. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling like I need to do this or I'll die (laughs) or this feeling won't go away. And so while I was working at the State Department, I started CapitalStandard.com. And I'll let you know this, that I created the website and I left it there for almost a year. I didn't do anything with it. But I just felt like I had to do this. And so I was like, fine, I did it. Now, nagging feelings, leave me alone. But uh, (laughs) that was how it all started. Um, And then after being at the State Department, I was a contractor. 
they decided not to renew my contract. So I had time on my hands while I was looking for a new gig. And I thought, let me do this capital standard thing since it's something I love to do anyway. I just didn't take it really seriously. And then wouldn't you know it, I made money. I was like, whoa, this thing can make money. (laughs) And then that's when I really started to focus on the possibilities of running a digital publication in this environment and in this city. I love that so much. It's that aha moment of, wait, I could actually do this for a living. Yeah. Like something you I think a lot of times we think of of hobbies as something that's kind of off to the side. But I I like to differentiate, you know, a, a hobby from your purpose and that a hobby is something that you love to do but you may not necessarily be good at it and you may not necessarily be able to make money at it. But you find that kind of purpose trifecta when you find something that you are super passionate about, you are good at it and you can make money at it. And you found that. I think it's great that you called it a purpose because, you know, just because something's your purpose doesn't mean you might be good at it from the start, but you can certainly do it. And sometimes you feel like maybe I'm not the right person to to do this or to give people advice on this. But then if I really think about it and take myself out of the equation or, you know, look at it from the outside in or something, I am a good person to do this. I landed jobs, you know, in, on the Hill at the State Department and all these difficult places in Washington and being a woman and being kind of like an outsider it gives you just a different perspective on it. And I wanted to bring that perspective and I wanted to help people navigate that and show them the real possibilities and the real resources that are available so that you can be successful um, and live happily in this city. So um, yeah, as a purpose, my whole goal for starting it was to help young professionals. And as I've gone through this journey, sometimes my focus will change. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll say to myself, I've put so much into this. I've put so much money, so much time, so many long nights. You know, I need to start focusing on making money or I need to start focusing on this or that. When I get back to the reason I wanted to do this in the first place, it helps me re-energize because focusing on money, focusing on all these things, they're kind of sometimes can be a drag. But when you focus on your purpose, it pulls you instead of, you know, dragging you along and sucking your energy It's like, this is something I'm going to do anyway. This is something I love to do anyway. This is how I give back. And when you're pulled, instead of you pushing yourself, you're way better able to keep going because this entrepreneurship thing is a long haul. And so, (laughs) oh yeah, I can absolutely, I can absolutely relate to that. It's funny, especially at the beginning, you, you have those doubts of, am I qualified? Should I be doing this? What was I thinking? Uh, what is everyone going to say if I fail? There's there's those nagging feelings that constantly push you down. So how were you able to overcome? You went from, you know, working for the State Department to then, you know, having an opportunity to then grow it. What was that transition period like for you? What were some of the biggest struggles that you had growing a magazine? I don't even know where to begin because the struggle is so real. Like the struggles aren't as much now, but when I first started this and I had just, you know, I'm transitioning out of the state department, I'm looking for a new gig and I'm doing this, um, entrepreneurship thing. I was like, it was probably the darkest and hardest moment of my life. And, um, I was about to leave DC 
and I didn't think we'd even be talking about this, but this is a perfect moment to talk about this testimony, which is what I call it. Um, I was about to leave D.C., and I'm a member of the National Community Church here in Washington, uh, and I go to their Barracks Row campus. They're a huge church, and they have like eight locations in the city. And um, I had packed up my things, and I I had a boyfriend at the time who's my husband now. And, you know, he's upset. He's like, don't leave. But I was like, I have to do what I have to do. My parents were like, how are you living out here in the city? Pack your stuff up now and come home. And I, I had to savings, but I was like, you know, quickly burning through them. And I literally had all my stuff packed up out of my apartment that I had been living in for years. And I loved that apartment. And I went to church that Sunday and I ran into a friend and she said, Ursula, what are you doing next weekend? And I said, it's funny. And she's the only person who I would have given that honest answer to. And I said, I'm moving. I'm moving back to Massachusetts. And straight face, she said to me, no, you're not. I'm going to find you a place to live. Wow. And I thought this is hilarious <laughs> because how are you going to find me a place to live? You know, who does that? Anyway, literally two weeks later, she's like, hold on, don't go. Literally two weeks later, she had found me a house in uh, Eastern Market, beautiful house. They had a room available for me to stay in as long as I needed. And I stayed in that room for about six months and they worked with, it was a house of, uh, you know, God fearing women. And they worked with me. They're like, Hey, Ursula, whatever you need, you, if you can start paying next month, great. If not great. And whatever you can start paying, that's fine. So I eventually worked up to paying them the full rent, but I probably only paid the full rent like the last six months. And then by the end of it, I had already found like a new gig and I was already doing other things. But being in that house, having that moment in church where someone was like, hey, I'm going to find you a place to live. It just reminded me that God has a place. God has a plan and his plans better than mine. My husband wanted me to stay and he said, you need to stay here. This is where you belong. But I didn't believe it. And if I had left, I would have missed out on an incredible marriage. I would have missed out on opportunities that I'm enjoying now. And I would have missed out on God's favor. Like just the fact that someone found a house for me to live in. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody that I was leaving, only uh, Kyle, my husband. And so, and then just like that, God opens the door and makes a way. And that's literally why I'm still here. And every time I'm down, I say to myself, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be doing this. This is what I'm being pulled to do. And there's a reason. That's so powerful. But I learned a lot of, yeah, I learned a lot of lessons during that time. And it was hard, but um, things are hard. And things take longer than we think they're going to take. We think it'll take a year. It might take five. It might take 10. But you have to keep going. It's so true. That idea of wanting to fulfill all of the ideas and desires in our own heart. And I think that's one of the biggest struggle, particularly as a young professional, where we're walking into the workforce knowing that we have so much to give, whether it's we want to participate more uh, at work or we have these side projects that we're passionate about that we know the potential that they have and it's not being fully realized. And that's been my own personal journey is realizing that God is the God of process. And as much as I hate that word and I hate the how long it takes, uh, he's not worried about it. Yeah. You know, he's outside of space and time and he's like, exactly. I got this. I'm not worried about it. And we're being refined, you know, like there are some things that, thank God, I haven't been in, in front of a major client and there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table. Because if I react how I have with 
smaller projects, then I'd never make it. <laughs> so it's like the things that I've learned, the things that I've learned about business, about, you know, doing good and putting good out there and you'll get it back and putting it out there, whether you're going to get it or not, because I'm sure people have burned you along, you know, the road. People have burned me too. It's just what happens sometimes, but I cannot put that forward moving forward in my business. I have to always put my best foot forward, put the interest of the magazine and our purpose and our vision forward and make sure that no matter what anyone else does, I make sure I do good business practices and I make sure that I'm a good person in these deals that I want to make with people because you'll get that stuff back. But this is the stuff that I've learned. Like when I try to cut corners, when I try to get squeeze a little bit more out of it, when I try to aim for something other than what my vision was originally, I always lose. And so I've learned over and over again, <laughs> it's not that complicated, Ursula, you learned this lesson already. Focus on the goal, focus on the mission, be good to people, do well, don't give up. And those things always work in my favor. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's the most simple principles that our parents are usually the ones teaching us when we're young. And I think somewhere along the way, whether it's through college or it was, we're just starting out that we think, you know, I've got this, I can figure it out. Um, I'll, I'll do it differently. But really, when it comes down to it, it's, it's a lack of trust, right? It's a, it's a lack of trust in God. It's a lack of trust in, in what in he's called process. us to. Yeah. And it's, and it's a lack of trust even in ourselves of knowing that, you know, he who is in us is over to able to overcome rather than just saying it's, it's okay. You know, I, I got this. I like that you said trust in ourselves because we have everything that we need to do this. Whatever we've been called to do, we have everything we need. When I first started this, I'd always say to myself, someone else could do this better. Someone else can do a smarter version of this. That's not true. Once you change those processes in your mind, once you change those thoughts, you will find that you already have the answer. It sounds so like new agey, but it's seriously true. <laughs> it's so funny. My husband and I have just started doing this where we write down declarations of what God's called us to. And at first we felt a little funny, you know, like declaring favor over our lives. We're like, that's kind of kind of weird, but let's try it. And it's so funny. Uh, just for the last week and a half, we've been doing it. We've actually seen fulfillment, fulfillment specifically on the things that we are declaring over our lives. I'm like, that was crazy. Did Tell you me see exactly that? how you're doing this? Because I want to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> and really, we just put together a list of, you know, different areas, whether it's in business, we have five declarations. It's in our marriage. We have five declarations. It's in our finances. Fantastic. We have five declarations. It's in our spiritual life. And we really, and we go over each of these every single day and we just speak them out loud. So these declarations are like long-term plans or just short-term? They're or? both. Okay. Yeah, they're both. So, you know, it could be, I mean, just for example, I said, you know, I'm just declaring, you know, favor over media and I will be on Fox News. And just this oh, last week it. I love had, it. you know, five hours of radio interviews with Fox News and I hadn't, you know, ever had a door open to me at all. So it's the little tiny things that sometimes feel silly, but you're really walking in it. And it comes down to that confidence that, you know, I know who God's called me to be. And we have so much favor. I think a lot of times as Christians too, we're like, well, God's going to do it, you know, praise him. He's going to figure it out for me. Uh, and yeah, I mean, God did it. Like Jesus died on the cross. He did it. Like he did everything that he needs to do. Yeah, exactly. Now you go do what he's put you here to do. 
Totally. It's, it's the, you know, taking up your cross and following him. We, we sing that in church, but we don't think about it in business. We don't think about it in our marriage. We don't think about it, you know, in, in our everyday lives, that it's the hardest things that we're called to do. But I met this one woman a couple of years ago who works with uh, sex trafficking victims in Cambodia. And she said something that really impacted me. She said, I will do the hard, but God has to do the impossible. Absolutely. And I thought it was such a powerful way of living our lives of saying, I'm not trying to get out of doing anything difficult. I'll do it. But God, I need you to be the one who moves the mountain and, you know, I'll be faithful to walk through it. Absolutely. God needs our work. That's why we're here. (laughs) He needs our work to do the things that he wants to do on this earth. And it's up to us to follow our callings to, you know, stay the course so that he's able to create miracles. If my friend in church didn't do what she's been called to do, her heart is so compassionate. Her heart just believes that people have a place. If she didn't do what she was called to do, God could not do what he wanted to do in my life, which is make sure I stay here in DC. So we're hindering the blessings that other people can experience and the miracles that other people can experience by not doing the work ourselves. It's so good. It's so good. And I also see even with your work with Capital Standard, how you're able to implement your calling in so many different ways. It's not a typical magazine, you know, talking about, you know, what's going on in the world today. Although you talk about current events, it's this like empowerment with everything, everything from, you know, working out to taking care of yourself to how do you bring up a conversation with someone that you've never met, networking tips. I mean, there's inside um, insight for people who are really looking for it. And I think particularly for our generation, who's very eager, very ambitious, who just wants help to be able to have a resource like Capital Standard to say, hey, number one, I'm not alone. And number two, that's awesome that you've actually put out some really practical advice for me to get my life back on track. I think that I I love that you say empowerment because that's really exactly what it is. I think a lot of people come to D.C. and this is why I wanted to create something that's focused on this city, because this city is so unique. This city has such a unique calling. It's, you know, kind of a pinnacle. The world looks to us to see what are we doing? Where are we going? And so when you come here, it's totally possible that you'll be at an event and maybe the president will show up or maybe a congressman or a senator will be there or maybe this other person who can completely influence, you know, Congress or whatever it may be. These people are here in this city. And so just being here gives you that power. So how do you harness the power of being in a powerful place? You know, how do you manage that? How do you balance that? And I love being able to talk about that, to talk about that burden on young professionals who are so ready and willing and able to work. If only the work is something that they're passionate about and they feel like they they can actually affect real change. And, and, you know, I was not a politics or poli sci major in college. I was a broadcast journalism major, and then I changed it over to communications um, and business. And I landed, I kind of fell into politics and I realized just how much of how much every single decision these people make affects our lives. And so for some reason, people still don't realize that (laughs) the legislation that they put in place, it will affect your life. And so to be able to be in a place where we're right next to that, where we're right next to these powerful decisions and these powerful people, and you could just walk into the House of Representatives and talk to your senator or whatever it may be. 
I wanted young professionals to know this and to figure out ways that they can use this power and to do it in a very approachable way. That's very easy for anybody um, to kind of understand and, and kind of get behind when they when they check out the magazine. And what's interesting about it, too, is D.C. is such a transient city, particularly with young people. So the impact they're making right now with these individuals who may be here for a season They'll take the skills, they'll take the insight, and they'll take the wisdom that you're presenting in a really beautiful format that's relevant to them back wherever they are. And it's such an international city. I'm excited to see in the future what that looks like in that kind of reverberation of impact the capital standard is going to make. Absolutely. I mean, we have a team of about 15 people right now, and half of those people don't even live here. Uh, they live in Philly or they live in California or they live in Florida or whatever it may be, but they've had some sort of interaction with the city and it's stayed with them. They want to come back or they want to spread the message or they know that people who are in other cities are still interested in figuring out what's the lifestyle like, you know, how do I get a job in the city? How do I network with people in this city? So it is true that, um, People are transient, they're moving, but they're still interested in knowing and having kind of like a pulse on what's going on with the young professional crowd here in this city. It's so true. Well, we have gotten to the end of our interview, but before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all of our guests here at Up Next, and it's this. If the 12-year-old version of you were to meet you today and see what you're doing here at Capital Standard, what would she think about it? The 12-year-old version of me? I think my 12, I, I didn't expect that question, but I think it's cool. I think my 12 year old version would be, say that this is super cool, that this is something that you wanted to do, that it's your dream and you're following your dream. And I'd tell my 12, the 12 year old me, you know, always follow your dream. And then I could look up at my older version and say, uh, you're doing that. And that's super cool. <laughs> so. That's cool. It's super impactful. Well, I just want to acknowledge you for your work with Capital Standard for the impact that you're making, for your willingness to make the small sacrifices to know that you're making a bigger difference. And you really are part of a, a movement. And I said it before, but I mean it. it really is a movement of raising up the next generation of leaders and giving us the skills and the network and the relationships that we need to succeed. Um, I want to acknowledge you for your work. I think you're awesome. I've always thought that since first day I met you on a panel speaking. I was really impressed and I'm so glad that you even had me on today and that we were able to finally find a time in our busy schedules to get together because I thought that this was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Well, I look forward to hearing more from you and having you back on the show. Woohoo! 